Welcome back. 23 minutes to the top of the hour at 10 o'clock. It's been a year of us delivering the good news across the nation with you. Yes, we talk about very serious topics, but each week we've had the opportunity to bring you beautiful news content and interviewed some of the most inspiring people and this year we have this week rather we have a bumper edition more good news stories to share with you with our special guest Husna Adams who is a a writer at Beautiful News the uh, company or the uh, or the publication that brings us and delivers us that content uh, to you and she joins us now on the line Husna thanks very much for coming on air with us again uh, thank you so much for having me. Just remind us again, why do you guys at Beautiful News do this work, actually? Because there are a lot of really great stories that come out of South Africa. We can tell the story of Nelson Mandela and Steve Biko and Desmond Tutu. But the everyday people of South Africa have stories that are just as incredible and often their stories go unheard. So that's why we at Beautiful News are dedicated to telling the amazing stories that everyday people in South Africa are doing. Uh, is, is this a reaction to our, our very hectic, news cycle we we have a less than 24 hour news cycle things and stories and politics happen in south africa so fast that we just move on almost to the next crisis the next controversy and i use this for example i, I ask anyone without googling without going to to where they keep the old newspapers to go to last week's Sunday papers and to remind us to try to remember what was the head story or the latest controversy to hit South Africa. We just can't remember because it's just so much. And is Beautiful News a reaction to that? Not at all. Beautiful News is a celebration of all the good that there is because we're often so inundated with all of this bad news that we forget to look at all of the good news. But there is so much good news that we're not seeing. It's not a reaction. It's simply a celebration of mm. everything that we're missing. So let's get straight into it. You, We have a bumper edition to, tonight with you giving us some of your favorite stories of yes, what we're going to be, of, of, of amazing people doing extraordinary things. Who are we talking about first? Um, let's go to Enke Gabashe first. And what's their story? Okay, so Enke Gibashe is an 11-year-old fashion designer who is making waves all across South Africa. And like most little girls, Enke um, enjoyed sitting and drawing princess dresses. And it was actually her mother, Desiree, who noticed her daughter's talent and began to sew the dresses that her daughter um, drew out. Now, Enke's talent has taken off. Um, together with her mother, she's created Enke Babes Couture, and she is a sensation. Wow, okay, here's Enke's story, brought to you by Beautiful News. Hi, my name is Enke Kebashe, and I'm a fashionista. Is I'm 11 years old and I run an online fashion brand called Enter Babes Couture. 
The dresses I design are for girls aged 4 to 12. My style is all about playing an African print, which I like to use because they are colorful and vibrant. My favorite thing about running EPC is that I can actually express myself through clothing. I always wanted to be a fashion designer and now people are seeing my clothing from all around the world. My advice from me is that please don't be afraid. Try all your best to show your talent. A lot of people are surprised to hear that someone as little as me is making such big business. But what can I say? It's my passion. Stop telling yourself you can't and just start doing. Usna, I, I, after years of, of, of reporting and interviewing people, I, I've always found kids uh, to be probably either the most difficult or the most easiest to interview. Either they, they talk their mouths off and it's easy to get a soundbite off them, or they give one-word answers, <laughs> trying to build a story. Well, that is quite difficult. You, 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 you do a lot of kids on Beautiful News, don't you? Well, there's so many amazing kids in South Africa. <laughs> and, and what's the and what's that 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 interview process like? Um, so it really depends on the kids, exactly like you said. Some kids are really excited to talk and they want to tell you every single story about their entire life, and some kids are like, mm, "Can my mom tell the story for me?" <laughs> but how how do you f- go about finding? you know, these stories. Oh, working in, in newsrooms for the past 16, 17 years, the, the bad news comes easily. The bad news comes from the police tip-off. It comes from uh, the emergency services report. It comes from uh, the the document that is tabled in Parliament giving us all the bad news. So that just sort of comes to us. But we've always found finding good news stories means you would actually need a, a very strong base on the ground, very strong community links, because often those stories don't spread out. How do you guys go about, you know, finding these stories? You know, I think we're actually just attuned to the good news. Um, We have a dedicated research team at Beautiful News, but I think that because we know and we're we're used to, like, finding the beauty in, 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 in South Africa, um, that as soon as we hear about someone doing something, we go, hmm, like, I wonder how this person started doing this. And then it's it's very easy to overlook the beautiful reasons as to why people do things. Mm. So that's what we really bring out. So who's our next story? Um, our next story, let's go to Lerato Mokwatle. She is, oh my God, Lerato is one of my favorite humans ever. Um, may I tell you her story? Go ahead. I know she's <laughs> written a beautiful book. Uh, she has. Okay, so Lerata Mukhatle was also a journalist, and she lived this absolutely fabulous life. She met Beyonce. She hung out with, she, with John Legend. But deep in Lerato's heart, she had a need to see Africa. And for a lot of us, we have like this almost prejudice about Africa that it's going to be dangerous because we're always hearing stories about corruption and about warfare. But Lerato was determined to see um, more about Africa. So she quit her job out of the blue and booked a flight to Senegal, planning a three-month holiday. But it turned into five years. 
And without any plans, really, Lerato stayed throughout that entire time simply by bonding with people, by discovering the kindness and the beauty of people. She almost became addicted. And then she wrote her book, Vagabond, Wandering Through Africa on Faith, um, which tells the story of how valuable Africa really mm. is. And here is Lerato's story. What I thought was going to be a three-month holiday turned into five years of discovering Africa and myself. I'm Lerato Mukwate. I'm the author of Vagabond, Wandering Through Africa on Faith. Vagabond is about how three months in West Africa turns into the story of my life and my moment in time. It's time that we as Africans take it into our own hands to write narratives about who we are. I love history, I love heritage, and how those shape our understanding of the world and our realities. I'm energized to have found my voice and be clear about what I want to say and what my place is in the world. The message that I want to share is we're not defined by the stereotypes of dimension that are associated with Africa and Africans. We are definitely so much more than everything that people used to judge us and look down on us. Lerato Mokhoatle's book, Vagabond, Wandering Through Africa on Faith, is a great book. I think you should go get it. Husna, who is our next story? Um, our next story is Lookout Sibanda. And I think Lookout Sibanda is a really, really important story for many of South Africans because like a lot of young South Africans, he didn't have the money to um, find studies after he finished school. But Lookout had a penchant for art and he loved painting. So he began to learn how to decorate ceramics with paint. And in doing so, he started working for established ceramists. While he was working for ceramists, look at, um, he started like understanding their technique and watching what they were doing. And where most people or not even most people, a lot of people can just continue like working for someone else a lot of for a lot of their life. What Lookout did was he was clever. He he learned what other people were doing, he sought their guidance, he searched his own technique and he mm. broke out into his own brand. And now Lookout has his own brand, um, Lookout Snap. Um and he his style is renowned in South Africa. And yes, look out story on beautiful news. Art has been a means of financial empowerment and a way for me to open doors for myself. My name is Lookout Sibanda and I'm a ceramic artist. I fell in love with art when I was in high school. When I couldn't go to university because of finance, I had to adapt and use my craft to survive. I was lucky enough to have followed the path that I did. Not everyone has a chance to do that. So I will use the money and knowledge I earn to inspire and grow people in my community. It took me hard work and dedication to learn a skill as fine as ceramic art. And for our penultimate story, who is up next, Osna? Um, let's go to Jackie Cameron. She's one of South Africa's most acclaimed chefs. She's perfected every trick in the trade. 
But Jackie Cameron realized she was in the kitchen for a different reason. So what inspired Jackie to like really keep progressing in the kitchen was the stuff that she was working with. Um, and in 2015, she opened the Jackie Cameron School of Food and Wine in the KwaZulu-Natal Midlands, which where she is helping other young chefs to find their passion. And let's go with Jackie's story. It's no secret that being a chef is a cutthroat occupation. I'm the owner of Jackie Cameron School of Food and Wine. I don't just enjoy the hot kitchen. I even enjoy being in the office and doing costings. <laughs> being named one of the top chefs in the world. All these hours that we are working, it all makes sense. What excites me about the culinary scene in South Africa is you have to go overseas to really understand how fabulous we really are. As a chef in South Africa, you have got to be able to teach and uplift. I only accept maximum 15 students every January. There's no space for being average Yeah, Seeing my students grow and excel makes everything worth it. That's kind of how it all evolved into opening my school. It's now about them going out into the industry and winning those awards. And finally, Husna, we have the story of Bala Gangia. Uh, I found this absolutely inspirational. And before we play his story and go to an interview with him, just want to say thank you very much for bringing us uh, beautiful news uh, for this year. We're looking forward to uh, uh, checking back in with you in 2020. But uh, for the last time this year, what is Bala's story? Bala Gangia is absolutely my hero. He was diagnosed with cancer, but Bala um, is a really, really tenacious person, and he focused his mind by deciding to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, and he decided this while he was still in hospital. So Bala, in like, the, uh, like, while he was still there, like he started walking up and down the hospital corridors because, like. Every every little step towards recovery that he was taking was that little Kilimanjaro that he was climbing. And within six months of um, surgery, um, Bala managed to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. That's absolutely an amazing story. Absolutely amazing. Husna, thanks so much for joining us. We'll be chatting to you in 2020 again. Here is Bala's story. We continuously need to test our limits. Because only when we know what our limit is can we go beyond it. My name is Bala Gengia and I reached the top of Mount Kilimanjaro exactly six months after I lost my kidney to cancer. And then in 2015, I did Mount Everest Base Camp. One of the things that happens to you when you diagnose with cancer is that your mind very quickly flashes to the things that you haven't done in your life. And in my case, Kilimanjaro was one of them that I wanted to do and I haven't had it done. I think your mind can only focus on one thing at a time. I could focus on the cancer or I could focus something outside the cancer. And I had to do something spectacular enough so that my mind could be focused in that direction and stay there. And I think Kilimanjaro really helped me survive. My body may have been weak, but my mind was a thousand times stronger than that. I realized that I could make the impossible possible. You set the limitation in your mind and you have the power to break that limitation that you have in your mind. And Bala Gangia joins us now on the line. Uh, Bala, you are in uh, Coimbatore in uh, in India at the moment, aren't you? 
useless, so that's correct. And what's it like? You you are walking across the Indian subcontinent. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And and you know, I I I, I can hardly walk five kilometers, and especially you <laughs> after you know uh, you know recovering and and fighting cancer. Why decide to do these absolutely amazing things with your body, from climbing Kilimanjaro to walking across? the Indian subcontinent? Why decide to test your body after it's been tested so, so much, uh, you know, you know, fighting cancer? Yeah, so, you know, it's something that I like doing, you know, the uh, endurance running and, and ultra marathons is something that uh, I like doing. And and after losing the, the kidney, it was something that I had to stop, you know. Um, so, um the, the the diet that I put myself onto and uh, exercise the yoga that I was doing um, helped me in in a way that it, um, the usual exercise didn't help me you know before that so um, three months after my operation um, I think I was actually ready to climb Kilimanjaro but my family would have none of it so um, um, you know, when when your family uh, wants to get a message to you, they send the best friend to meet you. You know, mm. to knock some sense into you. <laughs> and uh, you know, one of my best friends came along, and he knew what I was up to, and wow. um, they tried to convince me out of it. So he said, "Okay, let's let's do this. We'll we'll take a walk up uh, to Sunny Pass, uh, which is about two thousand eight hundred meters high, mm. and we'll see. You know, if you do that, okay, and you know, we'll we'll, we'll look at you know Kilimanjaro." in the future mm-hmm. and I did climb uh, Sunday Pass with him and we went up there like mountain goats that was three months after the surgery and, and, I, and I realized myself that I was doing something that uh, was really special you know, that was giving me the mm-hmm. age to do whatever I was doing it was working for me you know, was spe- because basically when you lose a kidney you need to go on what we call a clean diet yeah. meaning you have you, you eat food you know pres- preservatives things like that so um and from a cancer point of view, you, you, you have a very low-carb diet, mm. low-sugar, low-carb diet. You know, so it was a parallel diet that I was playing on. And from an exercise point of view, because of the operation, I couldn't do any strenuous uh, training. So I switched to yoga, um, you know, something that I always thought was you know, a lazy person's way out mm. uh, to exercise. I switched to that. And um, yes, so when I went up Sani Pants, I was very surprised. Uh, at my strength, and and I knew that whatever I was doing was right, was working for me, mm. and and I was happy to know that you know what I could now do what I still love doing, and that's when I set the the, the target for Kilimanjaro and went up Kilimanjaro. Now now now, now Bala, my, my my wife who at the time was a bit of a, a gym bunny, she did Kilimanjaro, and she said it was yes. the most intense experience of. Her life. Yes, you are assisted by porters, but just that five-day journey up up that mountain and and reaching that summit. She says she's never done anything as strenuous in her life up until now. Walking um, five hundred and fifty kilometers from the east to west coast of of India was Kilimanjaro the toughest thing you've ever done, or do you see it yourself as surviving cancer as being your biggest test as yet? Yeah, you know, uh, so what happens, well, obviously your wife is right, you know. Uh, Kilimanjaro is really a tough uh, mountain to climb because if you do uh, Everest Base Camp, it's about 100 and 
50Ks return, so 75Ks to the top and 75Ks to the bottom. So you've got yourself some time to acclimatize. Kilimanjaro is half that distance, mm-hmm. so it's 35Ks up, 35Ks down. So you're climbing up at a much far, uh, faster pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens, you know, the, the, you know, you do comrades, you think that's the toughest thing you've done, you know. Mm-hmm. Then you do Kili, and then that gets even tougher, mm-hmm. and you do base camp, it gets even tougher. But um, uh, the, the, the India walk that I'm doing, um, you know, what actually happened was I was going to do, uh, there's a walk in Spain mm. uh, called the Camino Trial. I think I, that's I, about 600 somewhat kilometers. Yes, you I'm know, familiar with the Camino, you know about yes. that, right? So I was thinking about that, and then something made me say, listen, let me look at India. It's where my forefathers came from. Mm. And, and if I could do something there, I think that would, you know, uh, really um, uh, be a memorable thing for me to do, you know, for me and my family. Yeah. And uh, so I looked at the different sections of India, and I, and I looked at Pondicherry on the, uh, on, on the uh, east coast of India to Kochi on the left, and that was about a 550-kilometer distance. So I thought, you know, there is something I should, I, should, I should do or would like to do. And I think I set a desire to do that. And um, the, the the other thing in, in, in doing something like that is, uh, you know, you 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 learn very quickly that um, that um, uh, the purpose of life is to live it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and doing something like this is fulfilling your purpose of life. But, 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 but just, as you get older, yes. You, sorry, very quickly, yeah. we have forty five seconds left of the show. But you yes. are currently day twelve of eighteen. 420 kilometers of this 550 kilometer walking journey, but you're doing this for yes. a reason. In 30 seconds, you're raising money for a children's hospital as well. Uh, it's not a children's hospital, a children. it's a hospice. Chatsworth hospice. hospice, yes, apologies. Uh, Chatsworth Hospice, yes. Um, we were raising funds for them. I looked at a few uh, institutes, but the Chatsworth Hospice came up as a credible institute. And a good friend of mine, Jay Modi, he's also a survivor. He's actually yeah. sur- survived a hijacking. He was shot in a hijacking. Mm. Also a survivor. So he's joining me, and we decided to do this uh, trip. And we said, why do it, you know, for ourselves? Mm. Although we like doing it. Let's just attack, align this to an institute. Yeah. And we chose chats with the hospice, yes. Balaganga, there is our beautiful news interview. Thanks so much for joining us. Running out of time. Great story. Uh, it's now 10 o'clock. We'll be back tomorrow. Good evening and goodbye.